once spirits cursed a village villager of Abuta Aroi to see the destruction of his town. They sent a part spider, part human creature, uh, Yao Shekupu, to fulfill the curse. Yao Shepuku sent a caused rampant destruction throughout the town, slaughtering so many that the streets were filled with crimson blood. After hearing the town folk tremble in fear, the sea kami Rapukumi uh, transformed Yao Shapuku into an octopus and cast her into the sea. After Yao Shekupu was cast into the sea, her size began to grow, eventually beginning to consume larger and larger prey, such as whales and ships. One day, Akamuri gobbled up a boat full of fishermen. In her stomach, they began to call for help. Hearing the cries, Rapukumi poisoned Akakumi, giving her great pain. As Akakumi hollowed in agony, the fishermen escaped. However, Akakumi learned to harness the venom, using it to attack the prey. Welcome to Creepy Critters. Uh, my name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is a hopefully new friend, David. Don't know how to pronounce your last name. Henyan. Henyan. How are you? What's up? What What do you do? I'm on and do the editing of Stasis Bah, the Transformers podcast, where. We're just about wrapping up Transformers Animated, about to start Prime. We've already done Beast Wars and Beast Machines and various odds and ends. Uh, uh, hosted over at IaconUnderground.net. I uh, talk to Rob many times. I get confused on which uh, Transformers series I've watched because there's about a million of them. More than a dozen? Maybe 20 at this point? Not counting comic books? Yeah, there's there's too many for me to remember. All I know is I watched about five of them. <laughs> I'm not even a big Transformers fan. <laughs> like, I just end up watching an entire season of Transformer cartoon for some reason. Huh. But, um, I'm gonna stop playing Magikarp Jump and actually start hosting. Oh. Again? Yeah. Not, not against you or anything, but it was about time for my uh, Magikarp to get some sweet JP from <laughs> the Mimiku. But speaking of Japanese games based a lot off of creatures of mythology and Shinto, oh, yes. we're speaking about a, um, a octopus lady monster, Akako Aka. Kurumi. I forgot how to pronounce it. Okay, wait. Akaro Kamui. Akaro Kamui. Got it. Yep, I have a thing right in front of me that just says it <laughs> for me. So, Akaro Kamui um, is a gigantic part human, part octopus monster from Anu, ancient folklore, which lurks in the Fuka Bay in. Hok- 
Kanto? Oh, oh, Japan? Hokkaido, Japan. Uh, I don't speak Japanese. I barely speak English. So, um, mm, yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're going through with this. Um, it has also been cited in several other locations, such as Taiwan and Korea for centuries. Um, and it's also known as the long fingered lady. So, um, as you heard before, the person, so, um, basically, this is a Shinto and Anu, uh, folklore creature slash Kami, which is a, uh, minor Kami, which is basically like a minor god or spirit. Um, which she is, is arguable yeah. because... Because it comes from Ainu, and Kamui's there are kind of Kami, but not quite. Like, Kamis are more gods, Kamui are more just spirits. But Shinto is, I don't want to say weird, but it's more freeform about what you worship. Because, like, there are people who can worship just, like, minor like spirits of inanimate objects and that's it and that's okay and because like shinto is one of those religions where they have and where they believe in spirits inhabiting inanimate objects as well as animals and also like nature spirits such as like stuff of the wind and stuff of the sea and jesus is also a shinto god so like there's a whole, there's a whole like, I'm Mormon like story about how Jesus went to Japan and died in Japan. Oh, there, there is. There's a whole thing, and I might talk about that as like a supplement, some supplementary thing. But it's it's a little bit more freeform, so I'm okay with it being called a god or spirit or whatever. So, I'm okay with it. If they're okay with it, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, um, so uh, according to Shinto mythology, the creature is human-like and contains a bright red color. And uh, the reason why this creature kind of went over to us white folk, and by us white folk, I mean one white folk and one American, uh, was a uh, because of a guy named John Bachelor, who is a nineteenth uh, century, I want to say anthropologist, but I'm not sure if that's right. Uh, basically, he had a book where he when he went to Japan in the 1800s, where he basically wrote down a bunch of the folklore and stuff. And supposedly he also saw the Akokumari 1.2. But in his book and in the uh, Anu and the Shinto uh, religions, they provide some details on it. Uh, and it is a 20, it's 20 meters in length. John Batchelor <laughs> specifies that the red color of the Akokumari is a striking red. Seemingly likened to the reflection of the setting sun upon water. 
Uh, the Akukumari is also char- characteristically described with the ability to self-amputate, like several octopus uh, species, and to regenerate limbs. So it rips it, it, it regenerating its, its self-amputate, so it rips its own limbs off just for kicks? Yeah. Okay, that... Why? <laughs> I mean, when... I mean, why not? I mean, if I could rip my arm off and grow it back, I'd probably do it at least once a year. <laughs> kind of, I, that that just kind of sounds like a part of a myth that that was started because giant, large tentacles were washing up on shore. But they keep seeing the giant, the giant octopus gods, and it's fine. So whatever. The, the Akukumari <clears throat> is totally real because this one white dude saw it. <laughs> well, that's sort of Loch Ness monster. Yeah. I mean, I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about how long I'd be able to feed myself if I cut off one of my legs. So, like, it's a long... I spend a lot of time thinking about it, especially when I'm bored. So, like, I'd probably I'd probably be like, hmm, I could do this without hurting myself. That bad. <laughs> Speaking of auto-cannibalism, uh, the Akukumari does not do that. The characteristics manifest in the beliefs, uh, belief in Shinto that Akukumari has healing powers. Ah, well, the, the amputating, regrowing, that makes sense. Oh. And consequently, coincidentally, well, consequently, I can't say words. It is also believed among the followers that giving offerings to Akukumari will heal elements of the body. In particular, dismemberments, disfigurements, not dismemberments. That's totally different. <laughs> disfigurements and broken limbs. A god that re- heals itself, you know, you pray to that god because he might know how to heal you too. Exactly. Um, uh, Nade ya kushri. Uh, it's, is a, um, is a shrine. Wait, no, I don't know why that sentence is in there. Never mind. Cut that out, Jesse. Um, <clears throat> so. So far, what do you think about Aku Kumri? Interesting. Like, uh, wait the, the the myth where it started. She was like a spider before becoming an octopus, or was it yep. he? It's a she. Okay, it's a she. I'm pretty sure it's a she. I, I was looking it's, it up online. And I think was, it's a she. There, there were a couple myths that that seemed to be the same myth, but the like genders were changed, which sometimes is an issue. Well, the in myth Japanese. that. The myth that I saw specifically said that is a she, but it might be one of those like gender fluid things where it doesn't really matter. It's just a half naked person with octopus body. Yeah, well, she changed from a, a half spider lady to a half octopus lady. So yeah, gender doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but I am liking, I like it so far from the research that I've done of this minor Kani, I mean Kami slash God or whatever. Um Gummery yeah. <clears throat> Spirit. Uh is I like it so far. It's uh there's a certain quality about Japanese folklore that I tend to like a lot. It like there's there seems to be less of a um Less uh, component to it than a lot of Western media has. Uh, less of what component? 
like a lesson oh or moral component a lot of times like they're like stuff is allowed to happen without like justice happening yeah sometimes yeah she just i don't know it's that's probably oversimplifying stuff but but I like Japanese folklore a lot. Like there's a uh, like there's a uh, minor. I'm pretty sure oni is the right word. Is that the right word? Uh, possibly or yokai. What are we talking yokai. about? Yokai. Yokai is the word. No, I'm not talking about demons. I'm talking about trickster spirits and ghosts. So, but there's a there that there is a yokai that is basically where a piece of furniture. It basically is used for long enough. It just becomes like a benevolent slash malevolent yokai. Oh yeah, yokai. The, the, the household yokai, which come from umbrellas and lanterns and things yeah, and lamp, lamps. I and just anything I, that's been that's really old eventually just becomes a living thing. Yeah, I think like and I like that. That extends to other things like if a cat lives a hundred years, it becomes a yokai and grows extra tails. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Uh, I kind of like that element to it. Yeah. So this is just an octopus that lived so long it became a god. No, it's a half a half spider lady that lived long enough to become a god and then got thrown into the sea. <laughs> it turned into an octopus. Which I would say is an upgrade, but I am also pro spider body. Yeah, the spider well the spider body is more common. I mean there's like three or four different um uh, yokai that are different half spider or like half ox or half lady half spider there's variations yeah there's so many of them but um but she is worshipped um so let's get to some of those the anu reverence of this monster permeated into shintoism and she's a as i said before a minor kami uh shelf purification practices for Akukumari is often strictly followed. Um, which it, for some reason I don't have. No, I do have it. It's later. It's just a poorly, it was just a poorly written paragraph that did not clarify what the self purification practices was after it. <laughs> uh, so, um, like other Shinto perfection, uh, Rituals prior to entering the shrine of Akukumari, one hands must be cleaned with water, with the exception of one feet, which also must be cleaned as well. She is uh, she's often presented as a benevolent kami with the powers to heal and to bestow knowledge, but it's also very fickle and has a propensity to harm. Um, oh, so it's, it's nature as a fickle yeah, god. as yeah. Uh, the nature as an octopus means that it's persistent and near impossible to escape its grasp without permission. <laughs> so, so every once in a while, she'll just for kicks grab someone and you have to ask nicely to be let out. Yeah, it's like whenever it's like whenever you have a like a bully who's just like, you can't you I won't stop nooging you until you say that you're a loser <laughs> or something. Akukumari enjoys the sea and offerings that flex, reflects this. So fish, crab, mollusks, and the like are particular favorites of, of Akukumari. Which gives back to what it's gives, which gives back that which it gave. 
think crabs are like a major export in Hokkaido. Uh, it would like it wouldn't be it wouldn't dis- it wouldn't surprise me anyway. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of like um, well because Japan is fairly small compared to other places and is surrounded completely by the sea. Uh, a lot of its folklore revolves around the sea and fishing. And it, that's always very interesting to me because I hate the sea, but I'm also fascinated with it. Uh, I love to eat crabs and some other things out of the sea, but uh, it, it does seem like an unpleasant place. It's an awful place, just like the rest of the world, but it's like it's harder to stand. So. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to be able to stand on that ocean. I've been trying. <laughs> um, shrines and dedication to Akukumari and associated octopus deities are often found throughout Japan. Uh, well-known shrines include the one in Kyoto in the island of Hokkaido that pay homage to uh, Nade Yukusuki Yusuki Nade Ya Yusuki That's it Yakusi I think I got it I had to break down the syllables the right way (laughs) Uh, These shrines are named to different deities share various uh, characteristics with Akukumari and uh, such practices as healing, removal, and purification are similar. So, she is minor, but and that often means she gets kind of clumped up with other similar deities. Yeah, lesser gods. But, the great thing about Shinto is if, if, you're, if your lesser god is Akukumari, that's fine. Like, you're still practicing religion. So, let's get to some of the sightings. Yeah. So, the Anu have long purported sight- reported sightings of the A- Akukumri, but there's other accounts written by non-Anu as well. As I said before, the 19th century Englishman and missionary, John Bachelor, who spells, lived among the Anu... spells Bachelor weird... He does. It's very weird, which is why I trip over it because it's bachelor, but but it's bachelor with it's a, just with the T. It's batch, lore. Yeah, it's batch. So you know, I have to patch. I mean, you peak that mic, patch. <laughs> uh, <coughs> okay, but um, he lived among the Anu and is known for his extensive writings on Anu life, written force. Uh, uh, he wrote a first-hand encounter about an alleged incident concerning the apparent Aku- Akukumri in his fo- in his uh, book, The Anu and Their Folklore. Yeah, he, uh, the book uh, Ainu and Their Folklore came out, what is it, 1901 or something? They're ridiculously old and hard to find, if, if not impossible to find now. Yeah, well, uh, I'd be interested in looking into it. Because I don't know much about, like, Anu life. And I imagine it's probably just got, uh, a lot of it probably got assimilated into. Uh, forcibly assimilated into the rest of Japan, to a degree. Yeah, forcefully assimilated. That's what I should say, because they were imperialist at one point as well. People, I don't think people realize that. A lot of times, like, 
You know, it wasn't it wasn't only the Western worlds who were dicks to everyone. The Japanese did also lots of horrible things to other people. So, so this is his account. In the morning, we found the whole village under a cloud. Three men, it was said, were out trying to catch swordfish. When all at once a great sea monster with great staring eyes appeared in front of them and proceeded to attack the boat. A desperate fight ensued. The monster was round in shape and emitted a dark fluid, a noxious odor. The three men fled in dismay. Not so much indeed in fear, they say, but on account of the dreadful smell. However, they may have been. They were so scared and the next morning all three refused to get up to eat. They were lying in their beds, pale and trembling. Yeah, so that could have just been a big old octopus. <laughs> but could have been, yeah. Like, there's lots of, there's lots of scary things out in the sea. But... Yes, but and if you're um, not familiar with it, like this foreign dude, it, it might have seemed a lot bigger than it actually was. Yeah, or it could have been a colossal squid or something like that as well. Like those exist; they just don't come from the deep sea that often. Those exist. In fact, up until I think last year, our only evidence of them is we saw something fuck up sperm whales consistently <laughs> and we we're just like this is totally like like tentacle tentacle like charaded bits all over their face who is doing this or every once in a while a corpse washes up on beach and then just washes back out it's like, How yeah like there's some s- scary stuff in the sea like we've discovered more of the <coughs> space than we have of our own sea yeah. and oceans so, like, you know, some scary stuff. Maybe Aquacumaris do exist. It's just a giant unfound octopus. Or squid yeah. or thing. A kraken of some sort. A kraken. Um, and here's another sighting. It's from a 19th century um, Japanese fisherman, which Brent Swanscher... Translated from the original Japanese. I saw a head something huge in red and undulating under the uh, waves. At first I thought it was my eyes deceiving me. That I was merely seeing the reflection of the sun upon the water. But as I approached, I could see in fact it was an enormous monster. 80 meters in length, at least. With large, thick tentacles. As big, as, as big around as a man's torso. The thing fixed me with a huge staring eye before sinking into the depths and out of sight. Again, probably just a big old octopus or squid, but, you know. Probably, or, well, if it says reflection of the sun, so it could have just been an optical illusion. Although seeing seeing a giant eye is kind of odd for an optical illusion. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're gonna just play in this space for a little bit, and um, let's just say he did see Akukumari. <laughs> so this leads to a question that uh, I mean, you probably haven't thought about. Um, would you? What would you do if you saw a giant uh, octopus lady come out of the ocean? Oh, What's well, the question? Like, 
how much lady, how much octopus. Like, it, it's supposed to be like uh, 80 meters across. That's, um, my math is bad. Uh, is really freaking 200 feet across or there's about like how big is the lady part is it normal human sized or is it like like 20 meter tall lady part giant as in proportioned with the rest strange although it kind of makes me think of the movie ponyo where, where yeah. uh, a little fish girl and, and her father is human and her mother is a giant sea god. Which is weird. Uh, hey, don't don't shame anyone. Huh. I, I, I can't say I'm not averse to a giant octopus woman. It depends on if she's eating whale. She's eating a whale in front of me, though. Like, I'm immediately like, nah, let's get out. <laughs> let's get out of here. I guess the scale is kind of more of a problem. I mean, it's not like I haven't drawn a tentacle woman before. And it's been posted online for a short video game. Well, uh, visual novel, I guess. As I just shared a link. I think what I would do is I'd probably just, uh, I'd probably die. Just outright, probably. <laughs> I'm not sure why I asked this problem. Don't know why I asked. Like, it's just like, we would probably just both end up dying. Yeah, yeah, that, she eats ships. A giant tentacle demigod who occasionally rips off her own limbs. She may not be that gentle. No. And you have to ask permission before, before she lets you go. Like, it's just like... What is the safe word? I like, can't pronounce I mean, the what? safe word. You speak with an Ainu I accent. Pr- <laughs> I can I can barely speak English. Probably the easiest version of this game so far. Make it YA. We're gonna... So the... So the, um... General gist is we're gonna make a YA novel slash movie plot involving the Akukumri. Oh, uh, well, to have a young adult, I I think you'd have to have, like, the child of Akokomori as, like, the romantic interest instead of Akokomori herself. It's a little big. So you have a young octopus woman, or, well, a a sexy octopus boy. You know what? I think, I think what it needs to be, depending on, depending on what your audience is, because I think if you're doing, slightly younger you probably make it a octopus boy and you're doing as a love interest if you're doing slightly older it'd be octopus lady and let's say this is just like a like a um it's a high school full of like kami like demi like demigod slash spirits like there's like a little yokai lamp hopping around so it, it's it's like the Monster Musume manga, only th- that's more European monsters. This is more focused on Japanese yokai and kamuis and things. Yeah, let's make it like a um, Shinto, like Shinto god uh, school manga or or anime. And they're all like the sons and daughters of the Shinto gods. 
and they're all in their same. They're not like sexy form or anything, or like attractive form. They are. They are how they are described. And um, the let's make it like um one of those uh like a love like a fruit baskets or something like that. Where it's like, well, it's basically like a harem of dudes and stuff are like a harem of dudes are kind of like vying for affection. Dang it, I can't remember the name of the one I have. So it's, it's like a club thing. Never mind. Thing, oh, yes, I know I, what you're I, I talking about, though. Yeah. But, like, it's like a harem of dudes like, yeah. kind of vying for affection. But, like, but like it's not, like, uh, it's not, like, aggressive oh, or anything. Oh, Oran Host Club. It's that's, like, that's, I think, the name Oran of Host, Yes, it's not, like, aggressive or anything. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of, like, it's just a lot of, like, vignettes Hanging out with hilarious. handsome boys who are occasionally funny. Yes, and and they get in tons of antics. On top of that, though, on top of that, the comic relief character, the major comic relief character, is going to be a little yokai like lamp that pops around and like is mischievous. You could have it as a period piece, like set it back when Akokomori was created. Like she starts out as like an evil spider woman, but then gets trained falls in love with this villager dude and then gets cursed by an actual Kamui to become the sea god and then she's gotta work to get back to her villager lover. Even better. I like that even more. <laughs> and um it's actually quite tragic, but like the villager that she's in love with doesn't understand what's happening because like she was yeah, the- cursed and she has to do <sighs> I like this. This is already good. This is so good yes, already. But, and, and it could work out better because, like, he's a fisherman and maybe she, she loved him from afar and couldn't reveal herself to him until one day she had to give into it and rampage through the town trying to find him, which is why she got turned into a fish. But it's like, oh, no, he's afraid of spiders, but he loves fishing. No, I like that. That's although, although, although I think I, I still like the Oron Host Club treatment of it. Though. Well, yeah, after the initial story, it, it becomes like a gaggle of yokai suitors who are trying to take her away from her villager boyfriend. <laughs> and it hilarity. Well the following is... stories following it as like like as let's say they get to second season. Because this is gonna go to uh, this is gonna be an anime immediately. Because it's so successful. Uh the second is like just set like they just show different generations. And slowly gets to like this like Oron Host Club setting. And but like and oh okay, I like this one. I like this one a lot. So I think this is the most successful one. Mostly because we're just taking a probably an already existing anime (laughs) that we don't know about. (laughs) If it ain't broke, rip it off. It happens a lot. Pretty much any popular anime that happens to it. And occasionally you get a sequel anime that's way better. Actually, a lot of the time... Yeah, occasionally you do. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to uh, Soul Eater getting that that Brotherhood treatment where they actually follow the manga instead of... Oh, yeah. I like that, but I have no idea how far it deviated. But then, Well, I, I prefer the original Full Metal Alchemist to the actual story, though. I wasn't able to find any of the Ainu folklore about her, really. I saw the stuff about the Shinto stuff about her, but the Shinto stuff is very limited, and she gets clumped in with the, all the other 
octopus sh- gods. shelved in with other creatures. Whereas the Ainu, there, there's there has to be a resource online somewhere in Japanese, presumably of Ainu legends and things. Besides the one book yeah, that was they're... written by an English guy in 1900s. And even then, I'd probably be okay with that to an extent. I just would need a pipe. It's whatever. Turns out I don't know Japanese or, I guess, the Ainu version of Japanese dialect. The dialect. It's probably completely different. It was forcibly assimilated into the Jap- larger Japanese culture. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm currently reading a manga. The third volume just came out called Golden Kamui about uh, a soldier who fought in the Russo- Russo-Japanese War and goes back to Japan in Hokkaido and ends up in this plot to steal like millions of dollars worth of gold that was stolen from an Ainu village that had collected the gold and the story is snowballing into fun madness with lots of Ainu culture thrown in. Well, I mean, that's so it's always nice. I mean, the one thing that we can say about the world barreling closer and closer towards its end is at least a part of us are becoming more aware of the cultures we stomped out. Yeah. Well, I knew isn't completely <laughs> gone, but it's small and secluded. Yeah. Like, well, that happened. That happens a lot with imperialism. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, imperialism, you suck. Yeah. By the way, I, that's that's a real that's a real <coughs> strong stance. I don't think a lot of people understand how 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 much it took me to come out and say that but you know it turns out imperialism sucks and yeah, i don't support it uh, thor so, ragnarok so is great imperial- <laughs> yeah well thor ragnarok is great though and you know what else is great pizza well well no i just like the the subtext of thor ragnarok is imperialism really sucks let's stop doing that yeah yeah, exactly. But, you know, um, and uh, speaking of imperialism, uh, that's not a good transition, but I'm sticking with it anyway. What do you got? As like, what do you do? Yeah, podcasts, other stuff. It, most thing you can find is uh, a stasis pod transformers podcast at iaconunderground.net and various things at stasis pod on twitter i think that's the right one we do stuff we edit with rob who's okay. been on your at least your marvel show before what is it called uh yeah uh yeah but he'll be on talking about the probably the the red dwarf dude that lives down in Detroit. Red, okay, a fan of the TV series Red Dwarf? No, no, no. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a tiny dwarf thing that like fucks up a bunch of stuff in Detroit. It's like a local cryptid. Speaking of stuff to mess up, it's my turn to do plugs. Um, I'm gonna do a thing where I put up a Facebook page because I shuttered a bunch of my other podcasts and kind of starting over on stuff with better me being a better 
person at stuff and things. You know, plug stuff. So, um, I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but it will be linked in the descriptions once I have it up. So I have, I have this podcast. I also have Alphabet Flight, which is my main podcast now. If you'd like to listen to me talk about a bunch of Marvel characters alphabetically and maybe, you know, actually stay on topic and, and stuff whenever they're not boring and me decrying the awful existence of the internals and how they were so popular in the eighties and I can't fucking leave them. Like I want them to be God, but they show up every week. I hate them so much. They're so boring. And that should be fun. And I think that's about it for me. So thank you for listening to Creepy Critters. Creepy Creepy Critters. And Creepy Critters. And, um, you know, maybe avoid a gigantic octopus lady shooting noxic poisonous clouds at you. Yeah, the poisonous part is kind of a downer. Bye, boy. (laughs) 